you may be seated. Uh, we, those of you been with us a while, you know that we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight. We're going to kind of call this lesson centered around be a cheerful giver. Be a cheerful giver. Now, those of you that was with us in the last chapter, you know that Paul was talking to the Corinthians and he was encouraging them to be generous uh, in their giving. Uh, and he wanted them to honor the commitment that they had made to the church over in Jerusalem. As you know, the church in Jerusalem was going through a tough time, and so he was relying on other churches to support them. And, and some of the churches that were supporting them was Gentile uh, churches, churches that was made up of, of non-Jews that uh, had came to the Lord, uh, in addition to some Jews that had converted to the Lord but were no longer living uh, in Jerusalem proper. And so he used the, the, the poor church in the Macedonia region uh, who were faithfully given out of their poverty to incite the Corinthians to finish what they started out of their abundance. If y'all remember that last week, he said, man, this church is very poor, but they are given out of their lack, and you guys have slowed down your giving out of your abundance. And so this chapter, he reminds them that it's time for them to, to pay up. You know, he also reminds them that of their initial enthusiasm and how that enthusiasm was contagious because when the Macedonian churches heard about their enthusiasm, they decided that they want to be a part of that uh, generosity when it comes to giving. And so now the Corinthians, uh, collection had ground to a halt. You know, they were supposed to be, if you remember in 1 Corinthians, uh, they were supposed to be taking up the offering on the first day of the week, you know, for this particular cause. And it looked like the word got back to Paul, hey, man, them, you know, them dudes don't stop giving, man. They, they just um, flat out stopped. They said they was going to do it. They were enthusiastic about it a year ago, but a year later. You know, sometimes we make a commitment one time in our life at a particular time, but a year later, our commitment may change. Sometimes life circumstances come in and cause us to rethink the commitments we made. Sometimes we just get slack, just don't care. You know, I remember the time when churches used to take pledges. Any of y'all been in church where they take pledges? And pledges were sitting around where people will say, hey, we got a building project going or whatever, and we pledge that we're going to give this amount to support that. And that's players sound good when the pastor's up giving that motivational speech. You know, everybody, yeah, 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 I want to be a part. Of it. I want to be a part of that. I'm excited because I see Major took his little envelope. I see Brother Purdue took his little envelope. And we're going to all say, yeah, 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 we pledge it. Ain't no money in the envelope now. We're just writing a number on it. Ain't nobody asking for that. Brother Herb, you just write your number on it. And we're all excited to hear because Major got the envelope, everybody got the envelope. But a year later, if we're not careful, we'll forget about that number that we wrote on that envelope. And so what is happening is now, your pledge is sitting over here in a box a year later. And whatever you put on it, that was your commitment to say, whatever this cause is, we're going to give the support. And pastor looking there a year later, and see Major is going zero for whatever. I'm going to say, Major, what happened to your enthusiasm? You know, a year ago, you was all excited about it, man. You, you even danced a little bit, and that ain't even like you, to get excited about that. But 
then now, a year later. They're going to ground to a halt. And you know what? Churches have done that. And uh, churches have took their members to court about pledges. But you know what? Every time they've done that, you know, don't strive and never done that. So we know we don't give you, if you're going to give, you say to God. But, but every time they've gone to court, the church lost. Because it's not a contract. It's only, the, the court system don't honor your commitment to God. They don't see that as legally binding. So now Major can tell Pastor Bowden all he wants, say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do that. When I get to court, I say, Major wrote down, in the name of Jesus, on his envelope, that he was going to do that. The judge is going to say, Jesus don't stand up in the court of law. If he don't stand up in Major's heart, Pastor Bowden can't get upset with him and take him to court. And so that's why he's going to come back later tonight, you're going to see, man, your heart got to be right when it comes to giving. Because if not, then you won't be a cheerful giver. And so, so this is what he was trying to get them to do, to get back to the business they said they was going to be taken care of by supporting these poor churches or the churches that was going through poverty uh, in Jerusalem. So now look at this in verse 1 and 2 of tonight's chapter 9. He says, I really don't need to write you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. And he, Major, he said, look, Major, I really don't need to write you about this, man. Your word on the line, you, you, you said it. A year ago, you said it. I really shouldn't have to write you about this. Brother Herb, you, you said it. In fact, you were the one that inspired others because you said it. You started this thing. And then now, a year later, he said, I, I shouldn't have to write you about this, man. Because your word ought to mean something. He, you said it. So, so that's why when you make a commitment to pledge something, that's you talking. And if you know you ain't going to follow through, don't talk. Amen. Because it, this part of giving here is not the tithe. This is not the part where God commanded. This part is talking about benevolent giving, where we learn to give above the tithe. Tithing is elementary. Amen. And I know, but, but that's the hardest step. But when God bless us to the point that we should be able to give above the tithe, where we get into offerings and not just tithing. And so now we are giving because God has blessed me with my, to be able to tithe, but now God has blessed me to be able to manage what I got left that I can now give to support a benevolent need. And he's saying that when it comes to that, because it ain't about you, it's about helping somebody else. You got to do that with the right heart. Because if you don't do it with the right heart, you're not going to be blessed, even if you're doing it. And, and so what we got to see here is that at some point in time as believers, we got to trust God with all aspects of our lives. First, you got to start trusting him with your tithe. Amen. I ain't going to get too many amens right there, but, but you really do. I mean, it belongs to him. And, and so, in addition to that, though, when God blesses us, sometimes I always tell you, you can't go wrong if you do something for widows, orphans, and the poor. Man, you got an extra $5 and you want to give it to somebody that's poor, God's going to bless you for that. 
If you look out for little orphan children, God going to bless you for that. If you look out for widows, people elderly on their own and all that, God will bless you for that. And, and, and he's consistent throughout the world with that. And so what we got to understand is when we see things how God sees things, then we realize that everything that we have belongs to, belongs to him. So therefore, I'm giving him, showing him my thanks by being a blessing to somebody else with what he has allowed me to have. Oh, okay, let me move on. He said, now look, so maybe he said, I don't really need to write to you, to you about this. He called giving a what? A ministry. You know, when you look in Romans, it lists, you know, giving as a, one of those gifts. Now, some people, this is different now, there are some people that are blessed to be givers. I mean, they, 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 they got just such a generous heart, and God has blessed them in their lives so that they have the abundance of what they need. They, they can help meet somebody else's need. They are blessed to be given. That's a gift. And so, therefore, if, if God has blessed you that you can be a blessing to somebody else, you ain't supposed to hoard up the blessing. Amen. I know that. I know. See, if he was talking about you praying, you ain't supposed to hold up your prayer. You may offer for prayer every now and then, you know, praying. But see, when God starts messing with your money, our attitude change. Amen. Y'all ain't got y'all ain't got to sit here quiet. I tell you, this is a lesson. This is this is Bible study. Amen. Attitudes change. Because we, we don't always see what we have as a gift from God. I worked. That's my 40 hours, my 80 hours. I did that. And so therefore, when I come in with that attitude, I look at it like I own it all. And so therefore, if I don't want to give any of it up to anybody else or back to God, I ain't got to. And the thing about it, God is not going to send an angel down to make you. If it's not in your heart. So he's telling them, look at this, Brother Herbie. Say, look, man, you guys got to understand, you bought into this ministry of giving. So giving is a ministry for the believers in Jerusalem. Now look at this. He says in verse 2, for I know how eager, somebody say eager. You know, let's stop right there. How many of y'all ever get eager when you got to give? I mean, just, just look, I mean, just eager. I mean, if you got an eager testimony where you, the Lord placed on your heart to give something, and you just eager. And I, we didn't even talk about your money. Just eager to go in your closet and pull out some of your best stuff. See, we eager to get away junk. You know, it's eager. It's eager when I'm just giving away junk, stuff that I can't wear no more, stuff that I don't wore out, got holes in the bottom. Eager. But will you be eager to give away some stuff that you can still wear? If the Lord placed on your heart for you to give it, will you be eager? And see what? Just like you eagerly hold on to it, <laughs> you got to be eagerly willing to give it up. If God make a demand on it, you got to be eager. <laughs> Amen. Come on, y'all don't get scared of that word eager. He's I mean, eager come with enthusiasm, excitement. Man, I'm excited to be able to give this. Can't wait to get down there where I'm going to give it to someone. Can't wait because I'm excited. We don't get excited about giving. And striving is not unique. This is in 99% of the churches. 
You ain't just driving. Y'all ain't by yourself in this. <laughs> Go ahead and get a mic, Major. Talk to me, Major. Get a mic, Mike. I want Major, I want the people online to hear how eager you are to explain this. You know. <laughs> I just said, I mean, you get excited after you get, because it's a good feeling after you get, but eager, like, I mean, I can't wait to get us away. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to get to that point, but I'm just saying. I mean, afterwards, you know, hey, I, I did a good deed. You know, because God blessed me, so I did a good deed after. But eager, I mean, that's different. Amen. That's different. I, I, and, I, and I agree. Because, again, most of us ain't eager to give away stuff that we think we still want to hold on to. You know, even when I, just, just talking about clothes, I know sometimes when I go and look at a pair of shoes or something I want to give away, even though I may have 20 pair in there, when it's time to make a decision, one, all of a sudden I fall in love with all 20 of them again. You know, as if I don't want some of them in the last month or so. That, I mean, you ain't want them in, in, in two years, but, but man, I, but I just love that pair right there. But you ain't had it on in two years. The ego just go away. But we got to get to the point where we look at, hey, it don't belong to me. God gave it to me. And as a result of him blessing me, if now I'm in a position to be able to bless somebody else, I can't close my fist and my hand up when God is blessing me. Brother Herb. Uh, just going on pretty much what uh, Major said, I got a different interpretation myself, willingness. I like willingness more than saying eager. You like, <laughs> <laughs> you like willing, huh? So, so, so now... But and that's strong too because you know if your will, if you you know, you know it's hard to bring our will in agreement with God. You know, let's just talk about God wants us to tithe, but we ain't willing. So you, so you don't, you don't, you don't think. <laughs> okay, get the mic, Major, because I know somebody online. Major, get the mic, man. They want to hear you online because you're making a good argument. If some of y'all agree with Major out there having a hard time with eager, then just use willing. Just, just as long as you keep your word. Whether you're eager or not eager or whatever, if you said you were going to do it, eager's, eager's. Eager is something different. <laughs> he says how eager you are. You know, I mean, I mean, you can't you can't wait to do that. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you just can't wait. You ever seen if somebody you know somebody that's really in need, man, and you know they got a need and you know it and you can meet that need, you ought to feel like, man, I can't wait to be able to get there to help them out. I can't wait. I'm eager because God has blessed me to be able to do that, so I can't wait. So therefore, I'm willing to do it, you know. And, and, and I know I agree with you, Major. Willing sounds a little bit better, but because ain't nobody eager to pull it, you know, pull out the wallet, you know, if I, unless they spend on themselves. We get eager when it's about us. We don't holler. Well, I can't get this out. Having, I'm having a hard time. My will is ain't willing this wallet out my pocket now. When you want it, it comes right out, and you don't even care what the price tag is. If you got it. I mean, some of y'all, when y'all really want something, y'all eager to get it, you look it on Amazon, you don't care. 
It ain't even on sale yet. But you want it. And you are eager to get it. Some of y'all can't even wait four or five days. You want the express delivery next day. Because you, you eager. So why can't we have that same eager when it comes to being a blessing to somebody else? When God, I'm talking about if God knew, you, you know, most of y'all in here are not living in poverty. I mean, you, I can look around at you. I mean, I, I know our members. We have very few members that I would consider be living at the poverty line. You know, making less than $24,000 a year. The poverty line. And so my point is that most of us live way above 24 k Y'all ain't got to say amen like you're sitting here in denial. Amen. Ain't, you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. You don't went to school, got your education, got a good job out on the base. The government played good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, don't sit here and act like <laughs> you're living in poverty. Because Pastor ain't buying it. See, I see what you drive. I see what you wear. Some of y'all just pass out if you had to wear Walmart. Now, Pastor, you know, I still got some jeans from Walmart. Say, that ain't me. I ain't that guy. I mean, I get stuff out of Sam's all the time. Sam's, I wear these jeans I got on right now, probably the Sam's of Walmart. Sam's of Walmart. I just ain't eager to pay $70 for a pair of jeans. That ain't my level of eagerness. I'd rather be eager to buy three pairs for $70. That, that's how I work when it comes to eager. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is that there are certain things that we are eager about doing when it comes to our finances. But when it comes to giving to somebody else, eager just evaporates. But if God placed it on your heart, man, you got to be eager about it. Because if you're not going to be eager about it, then it's going to look like you're giving it from the wrong motivation. So I saw a hand. Who had the hand? I'm sorry. Brother Mike, I'm sorry. You changed your point? You, 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 you done lost your I eagerness? Said, I, said, I said policy just, just, just for a joke. Um, yes, what I was about to say, there is still a percentage that is eager to, I'm not just referring to the tithes because even when we, we, we calculate everything, even all around in the churches, is mostly about 10% that really uh, actually giving what they're supposed to give. But it's a principle, it's to understand the principle. Is when is who understand the principle? Because when, when, when we know we think well, we're just giving a tithes, but if we understand that it belongs to us, and it's returning the tithes. When you return something, it's, that means it don't belong to you. But when we understand the principle, because a lot of people think they just gave it, but when they understand the principle, it don't belong to them, they just want to get rid of it. It's almost like eager to give. That's where the word comes from. You want to get rid of it. That's not mine, and I want to get rid of it. And if I cannot come to church, I give it to somebody else to take it to church. So that's, that's eager to get rid of. That's, that's comes from the same word. What I'm saying is when the church, the, the percentage that the people that understand the principle of giving, if we understand that it doesn't belong to us, if we understand it's all ours, 
then we, we have not understood the principle. But if we understand the percentage is not ours, that belongs to God, then if we use it, it is a disobedience. I have done that. Use what is not mine. The 10% that I use is not mine. And if I use it, it comes with a curse. And we don't understand that yet. So which means it might take away from me. Instead of receiving something, then it takes from me. I have already used type before and use it on my car or do something like that. And then certain things happen because, you know, because I use it on something that I should not. It's not mine. The 10% is not mine. So anytime I use it, I use what belongs to God. Amen. And the 90 is mine. I can do whatever I want to do. The offering is free will. But the 10%, we have, if we understand the principle, then we know it. Amen. And, and you know, uh, again, and, and I want to make a, a line here, because here, you know, in this particular, what Brother Mike said, I agree with, but in this particular passage, now we keep it in, in the context, he's talking about them giving. Their generous giving. You know, this is something that they said they were going to pledge. This is like when the Air Force come around every time this year, or the military come around every time this year, and they tell y'all to do the CCAF, or so what they call the CBF, that fund? CFC, Combined Federal Campaign, something like that. And they give you all these agencies. You are giving that willingly. When you check a box, you say you're giving that, you're giving that willingly. And sometimes people check one box bigger than another because depending on how generous they want to be or the cause that they see in there. You may have a cause that's near and dear to your heart, so therefore you give generous to that cause. Yes, I want to add something. Like when we were giving to finish the building and you had uh, all those who want to pledge a certain amount. So if you, if you, those who made the vow, you keep the vow. So to finish, it's just like a pledge. It's almost like giving away. So to finish the, the, the building, the blue, blue um, this building right here we have to finish. So the different members in the church decide to pledge to finish what was the debt. So that was a pledge. So the pledge that you make, then we have to, we have to hold to it. That's what we decided we're going to do. So it's almost the same thing. Okay. I, I follow you on that one. Brother Herb, go ahead. There's been several times that uh, you've given us opportunity and disaster comes along when someone, you know, from, from us and you come to us and, and, and asking us to be able to uh, send out. And I think, I think some of us are able and willingness to give. Amen. So we, we, do, we, we do understand that about what this passage that sense, I am willingness. I am able to give when, when it's announced like that. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. And, and again, when, when it comes to that, especially, and that's a good example, when you give to support a disaster in an area that you know nothing about or the people that you know nothing about. So it really takes God to place something on your heart to do that. Because it's easy to distance ourselves from people, human hurt, when we're not involved with it. We don't know the people you know, personally. But a lot of times, Brother Herb is right, normally whenever there's a major disaster, we don't have a problem asking our members, hey, if you want to support this, we're going to give them something for the church, but this is above our tithe and offering, then we're just going to make a donation to this cause. And we've asked that. And some members cheerfully do that. Others members who don't feel like, okay, I can't, they're not going to be coerced or forced to do it. Because again, when it comes to this level of giving, you're not doing this to hurt yourself. You trust God. So if, if, that's why he say, don't give grudgingly uh, of necessity. Because if your needs are not met, then he's not trying to challenge you to go prove a point on something like that. 
But, but when it comes to the tenth, that belongs to him. Amen. And, and so therefore, we have to learn how to live off the 90 and manage that 90% and give him the tenth. And then when he blesses us, then we learn to give above that. Man, it, it, you got to see giving as an honor and a privilege. You know, if you've been, ever been on both sides of that coin, where you don't had to get food stamps or you don't had to get, you know, even when I was in the military, they didn't have no grocery plan like they got in the commissary. Now you go in there, you can give, buy a bag of grocery, and I'm sure that bag of grocery is going to some little airman or a NCO or anybody who feel like they got a particular need. Oh, when we was coming up, they didn't do that. We were just, you know, that would have had my, my pride probably wouldn't have let me when it got no bag. Even though I probably could have used the bag, but my just pride didn't know. You know, Coach, you know, man, I ain't going to go with anybody. See me walking out here with this brown bag. Hey, come on. That'd be like me going up to the register and giving some food stamps. I'm going to figure out a way. We're we going to cut back on something. <laughs> but see, that was the wrong attitude. If, if I had a need, then I should have took part in it because someone was trying to be a blessing. But if I didn't have a need to go over there and get a bag and I didn't need one, then that's greed. And, and so sometimes when people in those positions, it, it, it is hard for some people to accept gifts like that. But when God bless us, we got to be willing to open up our hearts. So let me read on, because I want to get through with this. Now, he says, now, he, let me go back and read this again, Major. You done took me 10 minutes off of this word eager here, and I'm going to be going on down about six or seven, he said. He says, for I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches of Macedonia that you in Greece were ready, somebody say ready, to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm, another word for eager, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. They heard about Major jumping up and down the church. Major was doing they saw the video and they decided, hey, I'm going to give too because I see Major's excitement, his enthusiasm. Then a year later, Major done stopped, dance done stopped, and the little poor folks out there still trying to, trying to give because they were excited by Major. You know, the military said it all the time. Enthusiasm is contagious. Don't y'all hear that in the military all the time? I want you to be enthusiastic about your job, about your office, about the unit that you're in, so you hope everybody walk around with that level of enthusiasm. Then he's telling us hey, as a church and as a body of believers, man, when it comes time to give, we got to be in. That offering time ought not to be a funeral. Can we start on this Sunday when it's time to get an offering? Everybody just jump up and down and just start having a good time like we're happy and see what happens. We ain't got nothing to lose. We just do what the Bible says. Just say we eager. We just going to come in eager. And on Sunday when it's time when I get up to read that little boring scripture, y'all hear me read all the time. You know, y'all done got it memorized. Now they ain't doing nothing here. You ain't know it. Oh, here you go. Here he come. Here he come. I can, tell, I can read it on your face. Like, it's, it's like it's a downer, man. It's, it, this is going to be a time of excitement. Can we do that on Sunday? Can I get an amen right here? Can we do that on Sunday? If you're here on Sunday, now y'all online, if you're here on Sunday, y'all hear me saying it. So when I get up here and say, where's the enthusiasm? The Bible said the crowd going to say, we ready, Pastor. We are excited. We are eager. eager. Y'all ain't going to make me look bad if I do the Because Paul say, look here. Because he come back and say, look, 
Man, I started boasting about your enthusiasm. Y'all excited about doing it. I started boasting, and then now I get up there and do it, and all y'all sit there like. They're going to say, well, what pastor doing up there? He looked like he a one-man band. He the only person. What happened to all them people that he was boasting about that they're going to get up on Sunday and say, yes, it's time to. Now, y'all think I'm playing, but the next couple of verses, he say, God loves a cheerful. That word cheerful means hilarious. You know, when you get hilarious, y'all just, just look up the word. Pictures come to your mind when you just think about the word hilarious. Something is very funny. People just all excited. It just. So can we, can we play, can this little group right here, if you're going to be here on Sunday, when it's time to do this part, we, we get hilarious for a minute. I mean, just excited. Because we're able to. That's why we ought to get excited, because I'm able to do it. It'll be different if I didn't have it, but man, God has blessed me to be able to it. So all I'm doing is praising him for giving me the ability to do it. And so now look at this. He says, so we were bragging about you guys, man. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready. Because <laughs> your enthusiasm has died out. <laughs> I ain't got no brothers to send you. I guess I could send L around on Sunday or some of the other ministers around. Major, you remember you said on Wednesday night you was excited about this thing we're going to be doing. And then now your enthusiasm died out. So he says, I'm sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready. As I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. That's what he said. I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong on Sunday, man. I don't want, I, Major, I don't want to be wrong on Sunday. <laughs> when I get up and say, hey, the Bible study crew said they were going to have some joy when it comes to giving. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. Because <laughs> I'm on, it's all over the world now. It's on in the world. Some of y'all been recorded now. It's, this is out in the, <laughs> out on the net. It's on the internet now. People can go back and access this and see us in here talking. Yes. yes. I ain't gonna hold you to it though, because I know there are a lot of things that can happen between now. <laughs> that what Paul was concerned about. From the time they started and their enthusiasm to the time now, something happened. And they forgot about the commitment that they was going to make to the poor churches in Jerusalem. He said, now look, Paul, man, Paul took this kind of person. I thought he was a little hard right here. He said, we would be embarrassed, not to mention your own. I don't, I don't know when I wasn't given. I don't know that I ever felt embarrassed. I mean, but Paul said, but I guess if I, if I had committed my word and said I was going to do something, and don't do it. Look like my spirit ought to convict me to the point that I feel embarrassed for lying, for saying I was going to do it and my word don't mean nothing. He says, look, man, Paul says, we would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. Man, these guys gave because of you 
and I done told them about how generous you are because you guys got it going on like that in Corinth. And then now I bring the brothers down with me, and y'all say, hey, man, we ain't, we ain't got no offering for you. Paul said, that would be embarrassing. It'd be embarrassing. It'll be embarrassing because, look, you don't have to say you're going to do it. This ain't the tithe. This is just your free will. This is you saying, I'm going to help somebody. And if you're not going to help them, don't tell them you are. Forget about the church now. I'm just talking about you dealing with an individual that you promised, hey, I'm going to help you with this. And then now when it comes time for you to put, bring forth the help, all of a sudden, you stop. You don't follow through. That ought to embarrass you. Amen. Especially if your situation hadn't gotten worse than, what, than, than you were in when you made the commitment. So what it ought to cause us to do, that ought to cause us to choose our words wisely. Don't just get caught up in your feelings and emotion and commit to something you know you're not really thinking through. That's why Jesus said, look, you don't make decisions standing on your feet. You sit down and count, count the cost. Because you can get excited because somebody else is doing it and you ain't thinking about, okay, what could come up this week, da-da-da, da-da-da. No, think it through. And if the Holy Spirit gives you a piece about it, you do it. But don't get caught up in the hype, knowing your heart is not really there, just your feelings there. And then now when it's time for you to follow through on what you, your feelings got you into, then now, Jimmy, you side off. I done came to my senses. <laughs> I done came to my senses. That was just Pastor Bowden up there on Sunday, but I done came to my city. It's weird. And now, nah, nope, I ain't, nope, I done thought that thing too. So we got to be mindful when it comes to doing what God called us to do, and we got to do it with the right heart. Brother Mike? Yeah, I believe sometimes people have the right intention or attitude and wants to give and pledge. But maybe later down the road, I think things probably didn't work as they expected to. And oftentimes, they can understand with the commitment that they made. So, do you have any clarity on that? Well, you know, yeah, I, I think that, you know, like I said, when you make a pledge, and all of a sudden, life hits you. You know, you, you made that pledge a year ago, and you didn't know your engine was going to go out on your car. You didn't know these other things were going to happen. I think, I think God can kind of understand that. I don't think he's aiming this at folks who was hurting. He ain't missing folks who had it, but just had a change in their will to give it. And because if you're going to, now it takes some bold people. Now, you know, Jesus gave an example going into the temple where he said that, you know, the rich go in and they drop, you know, out of their abundance. But here this little old lady over here with her, her two mites. And she giving out of her lack. Her daily needs, she giving out of that. And, you know, Jesus didn't stop her. He could easily say, honey, you just too poor to give. You keep your little two mites, because it ain't going it ain't, it ain't to even round us up to the next dollar. Ain't going to make a difference. But he understood that was her act of worship. And if she was going to give that in an act of worship, he had to allow her to do that because she was honoring God. And so that's why I tell people, never think you're too poor to give. And sometimes when we think like that, then now when God bless us with something, 
we don't have a problem giving. You know, I, I always re- remind of the story about Bill Gates, I think it was, he writing one of his books about how, and I don't know whether he loved the Lord like that or not, but I do know one thing, the dude don't mind giving. And, and the thing is, people think that he only gives because of where he is now. He was giving long before he got to where he is now. His story is that when he was a little boy, his grandmama told him, when you make your first dollar, you give a dime. And so he gave off his first dollar he made, and because of that principle, he didn't have a problem giving off his first million, that same 10%. And so the principle works. There are a lot of people who don't even come to church, don't even really know Jesus, but they honor that principle. Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, even though I don't understand her theology, but Oprah has the big heart. Oh, yes, she does. And so when she honored that principle, God going to honor the principle because he's the one that put that in place. And so therefore, when you give and sow, the principle is it going to come back to you some kind of way. And so what we got to understand is a matter of can we trust God in this area of our lives? Now look at this in verse 5. He says, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure, uh, to make sure the gift you promise is ready. But I want to be, it to be a willing, make that a word you like. <laughs> I want it to be a willing gift. Not one given grudgingly. Now when he's kind to give, I don't want you to be sitting there looking like you've been sucking on lemons all the time. Why you got to give? And every time to give offering. All the time. <laughs> you, you were sitting there, then the praise team was up, just, we was up just rocking. You know, the praise team. Yeah, well, it's time to worship God through our giving. <laughs> joy, joy just left. Joy gone. I mean, joy gone. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could flip the script? That our giving praise is louder than our praise and worship? That the praise team now can say, man, we got to step our game up. Because these guys really getting into this giving thing, and they are sounding good. Amen. Because that's what he's trying to get us to see. He don't want us to give a willing gift but he don't want it to be given grudgingly. Like, when you give it grudgingly, then your heart is not going to be right, and after you give it, you're going to regret giving it. And instead of praising God for being able to give, you're going to now be upset that you did give. So God is, in essence, saying, hey, look, if that's how you got to give, it's probably better for you to keep it. If you're going to give it grudgingly, of necessity. And then now all of a sudden you done gave your ten dollars and then all of a sudden your car run out of gas on the way home. See God if I hadn't gave you my ten dollars you know I have some gas in my car. Well you should have had some gas in your car before you came to church. You should be riding around on empty. And then now you're going to blame God <laughs> because you're riding around on because you know when people don't want to do something it's easy to blame God. 
put it all on him. When in reality, the blame go back to us. So now what he does in verse 6, he started using a farming analogy. And those of you who may be familiar with agriculture will understand the principle here. If, you never, if you're a city kid, you probably ain't got a clue what he's talking about. Sowing and reaping and, you know, as you sow plentiful, you're going to get plentiful. But a farmer knows. A farmer knows that whatever they sow is not so much dependent on them. They have to depend on God. Because certain things got to go fall in order. You know, the weather got to work with us. The season got to work with us. All that stuff. The seed got to do what it's supposed to do once it get in the ground. It got to die, break, break up forth, and then bring forth something. A lot of things got to happen once I sow that seed. And that's a law. That's a principle. God set it up that way. And so what we have to do, like a farmer, he have to believe that God's going to do what he's supposed to do when the seed is underground when I don't even see it. I ain't even seen an ear of corn. I'm trusting that this little kernel right here going to turn to a stalk and going to have 12 ears of corn on it. And I'm putting it in the ground and believing if I saw a lot of them, something's going to come up. And if it, when it comes up, I'm going to say, God, you're going to make the weather line up right. You're going to do whatever needs to be done because you know I'm doing this cheerfully and I'm sowing a lot of seed. I ain't just throwing one and hoping that that's going to get it. So he was talking to farmers. He was talking in an agricultural society so they understood this. And that's kind of how we got to look at this as he's trying to make this plain. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous, generous crop. So now look here. So you must each, somebody say each. Giving is an individual thing. Amen. So he says, you must each decide in your what? How much to give. You don't let Pastor Bolden trick. Now, this ain't the tithe. The tithe. God already told you what to do on the tithe. They all got that. So this is not it. But this is like that generous offering that we're going to give to support a hurricane somewhere. You got to decide in your heart what you want to give to support that. No matter if Pastor Bolden come in and say, you know, I believe that everybody can give $100 because I know we're well able to do that. If your heart ain't set on that $100, do not you give it? If I'm using that to encourage others to give who can do it and say, hey, I'm willing to give 100, I believe somebody want to match what I'm giving so we can be a blessing over in China or a blessing over in India, wherever we're going to send the blessing to. If some people want to do that, that's fine. But then now, don't you do it if your heart ain't there. If your heart is only $10, that's all you give. Because when you give the 100, you're going to be mad afterwards. You're going to leave here wondering, what happened to me? I got caught up in the hype. You know, you done been somewhere where you get caught up in the hype before you know you done spent more than you want to spend. Or people, you know, yeah, you just get caught up. You know, in the world, you know, you thought you had it like that, and you get caught up in the club, and all of a sudden you ain't got buying around money. But you hear everybody else buying around, yeah, I got the next round. You, you ain't, you know, you know you ain't got it. But since you don't open your mouth, you ain't going to be what? Embarrassed. You're going to put it on the plastic. <laughs> then after you do it, you're going to say, man, I sure shouldn't have bought that round because I didn't know that many folks sitting off up in there. So same thing here. If your heart is not right about doing something, God is always looking at your heart. And so if your heart is not right about doing it, then you should not do it. He 
can accept that better than you're doing it from a heart that is disingenuous, and then all of a sudden now you talk down your gift. I should have kept that. I don't know why they got them. They ain't had to do that during the service. What they trying to prove now? We don't even know those folks over there, and the pastor done got up there, got us giving. Well, your heart wasn't right. You need to just shut up and keep them $10 because you ain't going to be blessed. I know y'all don't want to hear that. That sound kind of, oh, no. I'm, te- I'm teaching on kindness, and that was, that was, that was uh, on Sunday, I'm teaching on kindness. That may not have sounded kind. That may have sounded like the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, she was kind, but she was also firm in how she communicated with folk. And so he's making it clear, man, we ought to always search our hearts and see what is our motivation behind what we do. Because if we do things with the wrong motivation, then we're not going to be blessed because we're not going to do it cheerfully. He says, now look, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Man, I'd have been in a conference where I've been pressured and gave. You know, I remember, I think, when, uh, I think it wasn't Neil Bynum, I want to say back in 1999. You know, every, you know, some people get these spiritual visions when years about to change, millennium coming in, year 2000. So you know, the thing was, you know, if you want to be blessed, you need to sow the 1999 C. If you want to be blessed, you need to sow the 1999 C. And I, and I know some of y'all in here got 1900 and 99 dollars. I just need to have y'all to have the faith. Come on, bring it on down. So that 1999 C, so that you can be blessed in 2000. And folks start jumping up, going down there, so that 1999 C major. I ain't get caught up there. I, went, <laughs> I ain't get caught up in 1999. I wasn't eager in 1999. <laughs> but she worked that thing all the way down. She, she knew, she knew Bolden wasn't coming properly. He ain't getting no 1999. But he'll get 999. I'm going to make them nine work. <laughs> I, I'm not, she worked that thing all the way down to the 9.99 to 99 cents. Why? Because she wanted everybody in that 2,000-seat arena to get up. And by the time she finished working it, them folks were popping out with them dollar ninety-nine and 99. Now, some of those people was given out of necessity. So after it was all said and done, they felt like, man, I just been had. I paid $50 to come to the conference, and then now she'll hit me up for another two grand. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to tell you, when you get caught up in a moment like that, if your heart ain't right, you're going to regret it. And then now that's going to cause you to close your heart up when there are genuine needs that come around that you can really bless somebody. Now, I ain't got no problem with sowing in the people ministry. Those ministers are blessing you. I ain't got no problem with sowing and reaping because that's a godly principle. But, but you can't be manipulated to the point that you do something that you never intended on doing because your heart wasn't there, but you get shamed into doing it. And that is no different than when I was growing up in the Baptist church, man. We used to have to walk by the plate on Sunday. That was the reason for that. 
because nobody wanted to go by there and just had to thump the plate. Because <laughs> you saw the people coming in front of you with the envelopes up. You ain't going to go up there and say, and keep on walking. No, you better, you're going to have something. And so I saw that the way, man, they're going to make sure that you don't feel ashamed. If you don't, if you don't get in that line and go down and walk around, it takes nerve to walk around and don't drop something. And so that's why I think that we got to be mindful that when it comes to giving back, man, your heart got to be into giving. I mean, you got to have a heart that you don't mind sharing and you don't mind giving so that you don't feel like you've been duped when you do give. And then now you're so stingy, like when you say in the world, man, you won't even give a cripple crab a crutch. You're just that stingy, man. Come on. You're you a child of God, man. You ain't supposed to be that stingy. Amen. Y'all don't say amen. You're not supposed to be that stingy. It ain't all about you. Okay, let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. So he says that we don't want to do it reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves the person who gives what? That's a hilarious giving right there. Excited about it, major. Hilarious. A good time. So we, are we, Finley, you going to be here Sunday, Finley? You and if we start defending, we say we're going to win this, this time in the service Sunday, we're going to get hilarious. We're just going we're gonna to praise at this time of the service just like we prayed when the praise team up there. I mean, can we do that on Sunday? You know, a handful of y'all, you don't take all of us. We're just going to live out the Bible study lesson. And we just say we're doing this not to be seen, but we're doing to thank God because he gave me something to be able. He said, now look, in verse 8, he says, and God will generously provide all your need. See, if you don't trust him to provide your need, then you're going to give up what you got. Because you're going to think that, hey, I don't trust God to replenish or to give back or make sure that my needs are met. So that's a trust factor there. So a lot of times the reason people that don't give, they don't trust God. Because they just, in their mind, it don't make sense to give this and believe that I can live better off this or my needs are going to be met. And so that's why I said last week, this thing is bigger than just what you give in church. If you're, if you're a child of God and your finance is jacked up, you need, to get some, you need to get some training on how to manage your money. God's people should not be living check to check. Amen. You live within your means. So therefore, you got this job and you didn't go to college and this is your income, then guess what? You can't live outside of your income and think you're going to be blessed. You got to stay within what God has blessed you and when he blessed you to go to the next level. Don't try to imitate somebody who's making six figures and you just making just barely making five. A middle five. A low five. A lot of times we get in trouble when we try to compare what we have to what other people have and then we all of a sudden in order to try to duplicate that we don't have the capacity to do that. And so I believe that if a Christian would live without me, meaning that, look, yes, it takes time to get out of debt. It takes time. If you don't got in all that debt and you got credit cards all up the wall, you ain't going to get off Monday. But just like you got into that debt, somebody needs to tell you how you can get out of it because it don't make no sense to be paying 30% interest on money right now. It just don't. So I challenge any of you, man, if you, can, if you got a credit card, treat it like cash. And every month when the bill come in, you pay it off so you don't have to pay no interest on it. I got two or three of them, but I carry no balance on them. 
Because when they come in, I'm going to pay it off. And if I got to put something on there that I can't afford to pay for, then guess what? I ain't getting it right now. I'm going to figure out how I can save up so that when the bill come in, I'm going to pay it off. Now, I ain't always been like that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get like that, you know, you know long, 20 years ago. But I made up in my mind one day after coming to the day Ramble class, hey, look here, this, this debt thing works against us. You are a slave to whoever you owe. Amen. And so therefore, yes, I understand you got to get a house and be in debt. I know you may have a car payment and get in debt. But look here, you don't need to be still paying on a pair of shoes six months later. You done ate up the light bread. It's gone. And you still paying interest on, on $6 worth of light bread. So definitely, if nothing else, if you're going to put your groceries on your credit card, then at least pay your grocery bill off. Pay, pay that off. Because your money could be rotten in the refrigerator because you put it on a credit card. And, and I'm willing to anybody, man, because my granddaddy told me that he wasn't an educated man, but my granddaddy really understood this thing about being in debt, man, the folks. I mean, granddaddy, really. And he wasn't, didn't have a lot of money, didn't finish high school, didn't go to get probably no education. Born in 1903, no education. But man, that dude understood something about, I ain't going to be in debt to nobody if I don't have to. That was his mindset. And so I'm trying to tell you, I am willing to sit down with you, man, because debt makes you a slave. And a lot of times we become consumers and we consume stuff that we don't really, we want it. So therefore, we get it. That's why they're making online so easy for you now. I wasn't even an online shopper a year ago. I didn't know nothing about no online. Then somebody told me about Amazon. I went out there, man, this is easy. They got my, all my stuff on file now. Like I do, I like that. Click, boom, two days. There it is. Oh, boy, this is easy. This could be nice. Let me go back and do that again. Click, boom, there it is. Before I know it, I got five of them. If I had to go to a store, I wouldn't have got them. So now I had to tell myself, you ain't finna get caught up in this online shopping. Even though you can afford it, you ain't finna get caught up in it and just start buying stuff you don't really. And so therefore, he said that, look, man, if God provide for us, then we got to realize that he's able to continue to provide for us, and that's why we will continue to give generously. You can't give generously if your needs are not met. Amen. Look at verse 8. And God will generously provide all your need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely in God and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. In other words, the people that you help are going to remember for a while, but God going to remember what you do. It's going to be a twofold thing. The people that you bless are going to remember you. And there are people that will come back to you later and say, I remember when you did this for me. But even if they forget about it, he said, God going to remember what you do forever. Look at verse 10. He says, God for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. 
that same seed that go in the ground, when it grow up, become bread for that farmer to. In the same way, he will provide an increase, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, once you start trusting God and you see uh, he, he can bless you for doing that, then you will become a cheerful giver. It will be something that you will enjoy doing. Now look at this. He says, now verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God wants us to be in a position where we can be generous. He really do. Now he, he wants us to be wise. He don't want people to take advantage of Now this is not, you know, when you, when you help the needy, the greedy show up too. Amen. That's just, that just the way it is. When you help the needy, the greedy show up too. But you can't let the greedy that get over on you cause you to stop helping those that are truly in. What happens is sometimes we help people in need, we focus on the too greedy, and then all of a sudden now we don't want to help no more. And there's, t- there's eight other people that walked away truly blessed because they needed what you gave versus those two people that you focus in that got over on you for $5. So just to keep that in mind, when the word get out, and even here at the church, man, when we start, you know, our outreach ministry, whenever we start giving away something, we don't have to say it too loud. The word get out, and the needy and the greedy show up. But it's our job not to try to sort it out because the government tells us that we're doing it for, with, the, with government aid and assistance, our job is as long as they put their name on that paper, it don't make no difference they come by every day. But if my heart gets hard, I say, man, they were just here yesterday. I know they ain't eat up all that bag of groceries they got. That ain't. So now because of that one person, now I'm going to shut down. We're going to cut back the hours on the pantry now. We're going to close it down on one day of the week. No. That ain't how, that ain't how your heart's supposed to be when you want to do something out of generosity. Got to do it from the right heart. He says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. In other words, you're going to be blessed, but not only that, God is going to be blessed doubly because the people that you help going to praise God. The people in Jerusalem going to say, thank God for someone looking out for us when we were at our lowest point. He said, no, no. So two good things will result in, from this ministry of giving. One, the needs of the believer in Jerusalem will be met, the poor folk. And two, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So you got to believe that two things happen when you're doing something for someone less fortunate than you. One, you're doing something to meet their need. And two, if they, gotta, if they receive it in the right way, they're going to say thank God for it. Because they're going to see God as the source. God as the one who prompted Major to give, prompted Glory to give, prompted the producer to give. It was God that spoke to their heart and caused that. So therefore now we're going to thank God for blessing us. Now look at this. He says, as a result of your ministry, what ministry is he talking about? That's it. Y'all get this thing now. I think y'all got it. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. In other words, 
by you understanding that God gave a lot for you, you're willing to give up something for someone less fortunate than you. You know, and so when we keep that in mind, everything that comes that we have come from God, then we got to be willing to share. We got to be generous, man. If God has blessed us, you know, don't be a hoarder. Man, ain't nothing like y'all. Do y'all ever look at them shows, the hoarder shows? Jesus Christ. That, that's, a, that's a sickness, man. I mean, you, you can't even walk in your. I mean, You'll kill yourself in your own house. It's like so you fall over when, when you could have just gave some of it up. And if you're too late, just call goodwill, man. They'll come get it for you. Just, you just tell them what to get. They'll, they'll be glad to come in. Don't be a harder, man. Just, God, I, mean, I know some people get addicted to it, but, but man, come on. Come on. You know, at some point in time, I used to like shoes. I'm glad we didn't got comp now, because I don't spend a lot of money on shoes. I used to spend a lot of money on shoes, because I used to just like good shoes, skin shoes, you know, skin, skin, you know, stuff that you water. You know what I mean? I, I used to love that. So it wasn't, not, it wasn't enough for me to spend, you know, $800, $900 for a pair of shoes. I mean, then that was cheap. That's the low end of an alligator. That, that's low end. That, that's low end. But you know, when I stopped wearing some of those shoes, it was time to get rid of them. Church having a giveaway, time to get rid of them. The first thing he said, do you know how much you paid? They still got a lot of life in them. But I ain't worn them in four or five years. I've been wearing these $99 ones now. These $49 ones, that's, a, that's more comfortable and cheaper and look pretty good too. So it was hard to get rid of some of my skin. But I had to get rid of them. Man, stuff that you ain't worn five years. It don't make no difference that you paid a lot of money for it. It's, it's, it's rotten, right, rotten and right there before your eyes. When you put it on, you're going to do like this, it's going to just fall apart. Because <laughs> it's a dry rod, it's sitting right there in your closet. You're going to, what, what's wrong with this thing? It's rotten, man, it's gone. It's gone. I'm telling you, that's, that's true, that is true. I, I got some gym shorts that I hadn't worn in five years. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm getting ready to get up and put them on, pull the rubber, they just, <laughs> they fell right down. I'm like, man, I ain't worn these things in five years. But they done dry rotted, sitting right there on my shelf. So don't let, don't let stuff dry rot sitting in your closet when you could be a blessing to somebody. Especially if God done bless you to have it in abundance. He says, as I finish this up, let me go and read 13 through 15 to be through. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Then he says, thank God for this gift to wonderful, uh, to wonderful for words. He said, you know, man, you thank God because sometimes when you give, man, what you, 
that you can give to a person who truly in need, and man, they just don't have the words to say thank you. You know, I don't know if you ever just ever helped somebody like that that's, that's truly destitute, truly in need. And so, man, that's when you get a joy out of being able to be a blessing to someone other than ourselves. Because it's easy for us to take what God has blessed us with and make it all about us. Now, Pastor Bolden, don't teach you, you know, I know you got children. I know you got family. I ain't got no problem. Look out for your children, man. Have a, have a, if you ain't got an insurance policy on you, something wrong with you. Unless you got big investments somewhere off to the side that something happened to you, your kids can inherit that. But if you ain't got no big investment, you ought to have you some insurance on you. So that when you leave here, they, can, they ain't got to be scrapping and scraping trying to put you away. A term policy is not that expensive. And it's only good for one thing, so you ain't got to worry. They can't, they can't just waste it on something unless you're going to have a big term. They can only use it to put you away. But we don't think down those lines, and then when things happen to us, then now our family have to come behind us and try to figure out, what are we going to do about mama? What are we going to do about dad? Well, you the mama and the daddy now, you ought to have an insurance policy or something. If you got investments out there, that's fine. But you ought to have something. And the last thing I'm going to say, learn to invest your resources in things that appreciate more than they depreciate. We put our money in things that the minute we drive off the lot, it done lost 20% in its value. That new car you drive around the block and try to sell it back to them, they would not buy it back from you at the same price you bought it for. Because it loses value the minute. So what we got to learn how to do is invest in things that hold this value. That's why I tell people, you ought to own a house if you're able to. Man, if you got a job and you're paying more than $1,000 a month for rent, you can probably find you a house if you're giving somebody else $1,000 a month. That can be something that can be an asset for you and not a liability. And so we got to be wise stewards of what God blessed us with. And when we learn how to be wise stewards of what he blessed us with, then we will know how to manage it. And then when it's time to give back out of a spirit of generosity, we won't be tight-fisted and stingy. Amen. You know, I ain't got no problem with you being frugal, if that's what you want to call yourself, cheap, whatever. Ain't no wrong with that. I'm cheap when it comes to certain things. But man, when I can help somebody and meet a need, I'd rather wear a $14 pair of jeans and help somebody than to have on an $80 pair of jeans just to have status. Even though I can afford the $80 pair of jeans and walk around with the status. But that's just a choice I make. I'm not telling nobody, if you can get you $80 jeans and that's what you like, you wear $80 jeans. But don't be stingy with your $80 jeans on. Go ahead, Major. We're we done. We're done. If y'all got a question about this topic of giving, you know, if you want to, we can just chop it up for a minute. Then we'll so, let you out of here early. So, so like, you, you, you grow up all your life and you were raised thinking that, you, you know, you, you go to school, you get a good job, and you earn money. So, 
what did it take to get to a point where you said, okay, everything belongs to God, even though, like you said earlier, you know, you're going to work or you join the military, you deploy, and you have the mindset that I earned this money. How, how, do you, how, how did you get to, okay, look, it all belongs to God, and, and I understand that God blesses you to be able to get a job or whatever. However he blessed your life, you're at a point where you are. How, how did your mindset change to say, okay, I know all this belongs to God, so I don't have a problem giving it, as opposed to saying, man, I work hard to get this money or to get where I am, or, or you know, I went to school for X amount of years, you know, I did manual labor for all this time, and then to, to totally change your mindset to be, okay, everything belongs to God. And, and I understand that it's easier when you have that mindset as opposed to thinking, I earned this, so, it, so it's mine, and now I have a hard time giving it away. Or I have a hard time, not necessarily the blessing, but I tend to want to hold on to it because I feel like in my mind that I, that I earned it. Amen, amen. And I, I think, and I, and I truly believe that, that that is natural for most people. I mean, it's just a normal way we think it because we are by nature, for the most part, selfish. From a little child, we don't get taught to be selfish. But you look at a three-year-old, they know that that's mine. Mine. And, and when somebody else go touch mine, they can have their other mine in their hand. But when they see somebody else getting that mine, all of a sudden that's the most important one right there, and I want it because it's mine. You have to change their mindset to where they can be taught to share. If you, one you got you playing with is enough for you, let somebody else play with the other one. And it goes back to what you just said. When you get saved, the Bible, Romans 12, talks about be transformed by the renewing of your, you got to change the way you see money and how money gets to you. If you don't change the way you see it and how it gets to you and what God is channeling to you for, then guess what? It's going to always be mine, and I'm going to have a hard time doing what God tells me to do with what is mine. I worked hard for it. That's true. God knows that. But I got to believe that, hey, what you have inside your head didn't come from you. Amen. Your gifts and your talents, God gave them to you. And so therefore, it's just a matter of changing our mind. And coming to church is, is different because a lot of times when you come into a church and give, the church don't produce a product for you. It provides a service. If the church provided you some Nikes, you wouldn't have a problem spending your money because you get something in return, a product. So therefore, I don't have a problem going to pay $200 for these Nike because at the end of the day, I got them. They're mine. But when I come to the church, they provide a service for me spiritually to make sure that I understand what God, who God is and what he's about, then now I don't see how that equates to some sneakers on my feet. I don't see the spiritual value as I see a pair of material Sneakers. Gloria, then we're going to get out of here. Anybody else got to have good, good, good conversation? Don't be bashful. This is just Bible study. We're supposed to talk in Bible study, and your answer is your answer in Bible study. You know, no condemnation. It's just where you are and how you're thinking right now. I think that's a selfish mindset. Um, when God gave up his life, when he sacrificed his life for us, he did it selfless. So why is it that we as people of God, why we can't be selfless instead of selfish? 
Amen. And, 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 and that's an excellent point. Again, that goes back to a matter of your will. You have to really buy into the fact that what you have is a result of your relationship with God. And then your natural man going to say, well, hey, you know, such and such don't even go to church. He out there peddling dope. And he got a car. He got that. Yeah, but it comes at a cost. You know, he may have it, but if, if that's your only goal is to have material stuff, you don't lost sight of the fact that you like the guy who said, I'm going to go and build another bomb. God said, bless you, I'm going to what you want to do? I'm going to go build another bomb so I can store up some more stuff. He said, well, what if your stuff is, what if your soul is required tonight? What you going to do with everything that's in that bomb? Somebody else going to spend it. Somebody use it. So the right thing to do would be if you're concerned about, you know, what's in your barn, then you ought to designate it to somebody while you got a choice instead of leaving it in the barn after you're gone and folks going to do with it what they want. Brother Fred, I'll say hand in Gloria. You know, God said in the Bible, try me so he can prove himself to you. So he said, if you try me, just watch and see when I do, when I do what I say I do. Amen. And, and again... We're trying for everything else, but we don't want to try with the money. Like the, like the rapper said, I got my mind on my money, my money on my, <laughs> on my mind. Hey, look here, look here. Now all of a sudden God want to get him a business? That's a stretch. But can you imagine if we could get someone who was rolling like that saved? and they really buy into this principle of giving, what they can do to bless so many other people. You know, ain't but so many Bentleys you can drive. Ain't but so many of them you can drive. And so, and so what happens is that when we can do that and, and change our mindset, then we can be a bigger blessing to other people who really, really are having a hard time. But we can't do it if we're all about ourselves. Amen? Amen. All right. We, Gloria, you got another question? Yes. You and Brother Herbert, then we're going to get out of here. What, how does it go? What prophets, how do you, what prophets are meant? How does it go for you to gain the world and, and lose your soul? Yeah. So you rather be selfish and hold on to things and stuff than to be selfless and do as God said. You know, let this stuff go. Don't hold on to this stuff. Don't hold on to that money, Major. It's not you. God bless you. <laughs> Let it go. Close. Why, why are you going to mess with Major? Major, Major, Major said he's going to be, Major just asked a question. He's going to be hilarious on Sunday. Major going to be hilarious when we, when we had that fun around. Brother Herbert, we got to get out of here. Come on. Go on. You just put, that's all over the internet now. Somebody going to make a meme out of that. They saw Major Faith when you call his name. They going to make a meme. Go, go, go ahead, Brother Herbert. Yeah.
He showed my love. That's how I show my love for him. Amen. That's all. I don't want to rob him. Amen. And last thing, you know, you got to get to the point where you trust God. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't love your money more than you love God because then it will become your God. God don't have a problem with you having money. He just said, the Bible said, for the love of money is the root of all types of evil. A lot of things in the world is generated by people's love and greed for, normally when you peel back the onions, a lot of things that go on, you'll find a lot of time money is behind the scenes working. Even when evil is happening all over the world, somebody is getting rich off of people dying. Somebody making money. And, and, and people are just pawns sometimes in order for somebody to make money. Other lives, and then we got to go. We got to go. I, get, get a mic, get a mic real quick. Amen. That's what the scripture says. To lose your soul all because of, you know, greed. Amen. All right, then. Well, let me give you some. Now, give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you for.